0: you looking for? This question is probably the most asked question and the one we most often ask on any given day. We think it as we search the radio for a station to listen to or flip through our phones looking for a song. We ask it of our loved ones or our friends when we see that searching look In their faces. Maybe we even ask it in prayer, wondering what God sees in us, what the Holy Spirit is calling us towards, when all we know for sure is our spirits are restless, we're not able to settle down. It's the question we ask when we know we're being worked on, but we're not sure for what end. What are you looking for, Jesus? It's still the season of epiphany, the season of surprises, of sudden revelations, and insights that draw us further into this story of recognizing Jesus as God with us. And as in Advent, John the Baptist figures prominently in this process of epiphany. Just as we had to hear John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord in order for us to more fully understand the power that the coming sign of a child being born to poor peasant teenagers in a stable. We need to hear John the Baptist again cry out, this time in some village square, about this one whose way he has been preparing. And if we listened to Ruth's reading, we noticed that John's words are a variation on a theme. Looking, seeing, finding. Epiphany revolves around these three actions. Looking, seeing, finding. But more than just a season in the church year, these three words describe the journey of discipleship, which is about being on the lookout and on the move. When John sees Jesus, he testifies to what he has seen and heard and is still beginning to understand John points towards Jesus, the one who is salvation, rather than drawing attention to himself. He even watches two of his own disciples leave him and follow after Jesus. And I think it's worth noting that John here pays the cost of discipleship that we don't talk about very much. In the church today, largely speaking we want to grow and gain and expand and yet we hear and feel that discipleship costs something what losses might we might we be willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel like John experiences The call for all of us is to be on the lookout for where God is at work in the world and then go join God where God is at work. This means being faithful to that call above all else, above denominational affiliation, above church membership, above the recognition and power and popularity we so easily enjoy in the life of the church. But don't despair. I can see. Some of you are looking a little concerned. Don't despair. I don't believe John despaired when he saw Andrew and that other disciple turn away from him and start following Jesus. John did his job. John did what he was supposed to do. He was faithful to the call that God put on his life. His teachings got those disciples to the place where they were on the lookout for God, in their world. And when they saw Jesus, they felt somehow deep in their bones that this was the one their teacher, John, had been preparing them to recognize. And now it was time to get on the move. So their initiative was met by Jesus's invitation in the form of a question. The question we started with, what are you looking for? These are Jesus's first words recorded in the Gospel of John. And since it's a question, it reveals the importance of seeking in everyday life of faith. And it's a question we would do well to ask ourselves each and every day. What are you looking for? In your heart of hearts, what are the hungers that drive you forward in your life of faith? Why do you still have skin in this game we call Christianity? When you go to church, when you pray, when you read the Bible... What are you looking for? Are you looking just for anything? Or might you be going through the motions of a religious life you have inherited from others? Are you seeking consolation, affirmation, belonging, certainty? Are you looking to gain power or surrender it? Do you need to know, or can you consent to trust? Are you looking to arrive or to journey? Hmm, what sounded like a pretty simple question now kind of feels like a spotlight we can't step out of. And maybe Andrew and the other disciple felt a similar discomfort, with such a straightforward question. So they ask a question in response, trying to play that game of, well, you ask a question, well, what do you think? Never really answering it. They flip it around and pose a question to Jesus. Where are you staying? In other words, where can we locate you? What will home be like if we come along with you? How and with whom are you aligned? Who are your people? Tell, these, tell us these things up front, Jesus, so we can understand you and get to know you further before we walk with you another step. But of course, as Jesus does, he never answers our questions straight out. Come and see. Stay on the move with me. I am about being and moving, not staying put. I don't have a permanent address. Come and see. This is both a concrete and elusive response, which means we have to follow Jesus all the way home if we want to know where he is and what he's about. And at times, he will not be easy to find. In short, I think the path that leads to Jesus becomes clear only when we decide to walk it. In the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, some of y'all have seen it, there's this scene where Indy finds himself standing at the edge of a ravine. He can't See a way across. It's too wide of a chasm to jump, but he needs to cross it because his father has been wounded searching for the holy grail by another rival group. And so he mutters to himself, Well, this is a leap of faith. And then he takes one long stride out into the open air, and his foot finds something solid, yet it is invisible to his eyes. It's only when he takes this leap or step of faith into nothing that the path appears. The bridge to the other side materialized as he walked it, not before. And to me, this is the perfect illustration for what a life of faith with Jesus feels like and looks like. The path appears when we walk it. When we ask ourselves Jesus' question every day, at every turn, what are we looking for? As Christian educator Debbie Thomas says so movingly, this is the heart of discipleship. It's not a hasten to end our search, but to pursue it ever more deeply and intentionally. To cultivate a willingness to look, a willingness to see and be seen, a willingness to tell the truth about what we have found, and to venture forth again and again, even when we don't know where home is. The invitation to come and see is an invitation to leave our comfortable vantage points and dare to believe that maybe, just maybe, we've been limited and even wrong in our certainties about each other, about God, and our world. To come and see is to approach all of life with a grace-filled curiosity To believe that we are holy mysteries to each other, worthy of further exploration. Now, of course, seeing is always selective. We have choices when it comes to what we look for, what we prioritize, what we name, what we call out in each other. The cells we present to the world are layered and messy. And it takes both love and patience to sift through those layers and find what lies at the core. And it takes great trust and vulnerability to show another person what lies at our core. But there's great power when we do that. Because something healing and holy happens when we are deeply seen, deeply known, named, and accepted. When we see each other the way Jesus does. So, this is a story that reminds us it's also about what Jesus sees, it's not only about what we see. And it's about what becomes possible when we dare to let Jesus see us. Jesus looks at John's disciples and calls forth their hunger, their curiosity, their hope, and their trust. Jesus looks at Simon Peter, Simon and sees Peter, the rock. Jesus looks at us and sees what lies beneath all our fumbling, our fear, our mixed motives, our deepest desires, and our burning questions. Jesus looks at us, which means perhaps each of us also benefits from a second look, a third and even a fourth from each other. For to offer that second look, that deeper and kinder look, that's grace. It's the vision we're called to practice in a world that too often judges and condemns with one look. Is there anything that feels lonelier than the experience of being unseen, misunderstood, and prematurely dismissed? And is there anything more life giving than the experience of being seen for who we truly are deep down? When we come and see with Jesus, when we stay on the lookout and on the move with Him, we will be changed. We might even get a new name, a fresh calling, a new direction. We will find traveling companions, a teacher, and a spirit of openness and discernment that helps us take the next step on the path and trust that that path will be revealed in the process. So church, we've been on the lookout. Now it's time to move. Amen.